Welcome to the Let Me Be Free podcast. My name is Jackie. And my name is Alwyn. We're two sisters from Ireland living in Australia, navigating our healing journeys together. And this is our podcast, Let Me Be Free. We'll be interviewing everyone who's helped us to get us where we are today. Whether that's therapists, loved ones, people from our Facebook group, Let Me Be Free, The Wounded Inner Child, or people who we've never met, but have had huge impacts on our lives. Follow along with us on this journey as we try to dissect what has really worked for us in the hopes that you too might be freed. Hi guys, before we jump into today's episode, just a friendly reminder that there are timestamps for this episode in the description. So you can check if the topics we discuss today are comfortable for you to listen to. Hello sister, how are you? I am smashing. (laughs) I feel (laughs) like it's been a while since we've done this. I know, but it's probably only been like a week. Um, so we're going to talk about my interview uh, with Satya and my somatic experience therapist today and get the details of why I went, what the process was, etc. Do you have your questions ready for me? Like I had my questions ready for you with Lavinia. You know me, I am on the ball. <laughs> I actually just, I've written them here on the bed and I'm going to look at them and ask um, accordingly. But also remember, I went to Satyan as well. You interviewed him, but I did use him for a time as well. Not as long as you. Oh, I know, but you were supposed to have questions ready for me. Like I had questions ready for you with Lavinia. But oh, that's okay. Right. I knew that you wouldn't come prepared for questions. <laughs> so I wrote the questions for you. I'm not too surprised about that one. <laughs> but you know what? Um, I could just intuitively ask you whatever questions I need to ask you, and it could be just as magnificent. Okay, well, let's do it that way. You just ask me intuitively what comes into your head. And if you miss anything, I'll remind you of what you missed. Okay, perfect. Now, this so is what I like. Just, a, just an uh, update on a couple of things before we get started. So, eventually, I got an. Uh, a proper answer from Apple about what was wrong with the podcast. Um, eventually, I had to just escalate it to the manager. And the manager basically told me straight away what it was. And it is such an easy fix. But it just requires me to change the format of the audio. And it requires me to take down all the episodes that aren't currently working and re-upload them. So it's just going to look a little funny on all the platforms. This episodes are going to come down for like 24 hours And then they'll go back up, but they won't be in line, which I really hate because I like things to be linear and clean. And they're not going to be. But you know what? At least it's going to be playing on the Apple platform. And at least um, that issue is finally going to be sorted. I tested it this morning when I put up that new standby episode. I tested it. And sure enough, it worked perfectly. Again, such an easy fix. Took like weeks to figure it out. But we're there now. Perfect. That's amazing. And the other thing is, I know that we've had a lot of feedback around whether we have the pre-talk before the interview or we have the pre-talk as a separate session, a separate podcast episode, and then the interview with the therapist as a different episode. And I've kind of really been pushing for it to be one episode. And that's simply because a lot of times when I'm going to my favorite podcasts, I'm just picking an episode and playing it. Like I'm not playing it in the format of when they come out generally I'm just looking picking one and playing it and so I'm just afraid that a lot of people would miss out on the pre-talk intro which to me is 
you know, it's just as important as the interview itself, because I feel like a lot of people on the group have been saying to us, but how do you do this stuff? Like, what does it look like? How, like, give us some practical stuff. And in the pre-talk, that's kind of a lot of the practical stuff. Like, you know, how did we find these people? Where did we go to get them? Like, what did we pay? What, what was the format of the session? Like, it's all very practical stuff. But I know you really want to separate them. You want to do the pre-talk as a separate episode to the interview itself. So would you like to do that with this one? Would you like to try that with this one? Oh, you know, it's just really hard. I guess it really depends on the flow of the conversation. Because what I feel is, you know, if if the flow of the conversation is really good and we're getting into some really deep, um, you know, because come here, or one with Lavinia, that was shortened because it overheated. We overheated in the car. So that would have been way longer with some great information. And I would have preferred that to be its own episode. And so, you know, I think about the fact that, that when we did the pre-talk for Lavinia, we were doing it in the car and our phone overheated and turned off and we didn't realize. And so we were talking for another like 10 minutes before we realized that the phone wasn't even on anymore. So yeah, exactly. that's what we're talking about. Yeah. But the, but, but the information and the, the conversation, like we were still talking when you realized that it was, um, that it wasn't working. So I just think that, you know, depending on say us today, if we start chatting about this topic, which I believe is a very important topic, somatic therapy is a very important topic. And so mm-hmm. if it ends up that we end up talking about this and it does kind of just flow and we're really getting into it. Yeah, I think that it will be as beneficial just having it as its own podcast episode um and we can maybe just just do it as part one part two yeah exactly yeah yeah okay okay so let's get into it what's your first question for me today Alwyn well my first question is so we're talking about somatic healing somatic therapy um and yes we're speaking actually specifically we're speaking about somatic experience therapy so that's different to somatic therapy but go on Okay, well, let's start with there. What's the difference between somatic therapy and somatic experiencing therapy? So my therapist, Satyan, is a somatic experience therapist. So it's just that somatic experiencing is the specific type of training that he did. And it's somatic therapy. Somatic is more so basically just body. So body-centered therapy, therapy where you're working with the body. But it can take many different forms. It can, you know, somebody can list somatic therapy or somatic work and how they do that can be completely different from person to person but if someone lists somatic experience therapy that's a very specific type of therapy um so that's the difference does that make sense yeah it does but what is the difference then if if you're saying somatic experience therapy what um what makes that different um in your experience from so in my experience and I can only talk to my experience on this, but in my experience with some another therapist who I did somatic therapy with, so not somatic experience therapy, with somatic therapy, one of the things that we did was inner child work. And we got to a point where a memory of when I was younger, where I was in a place and I was very unsafe and there was these men around me. And what she got me to do in that moment was to actually physically stand up in the room, take a pillow in my hand, imagine that that pillow was my daughter, I might not my daughter, my uh, self as a child, like my inner child or myself as a child. And she actually had me do whatever I wanted to do in that situation. So I ended up like, like getting into kind of a, an aggressive or defensive stance. I put up, like I had her in one arm, 
And I put up my other hand and I said to them, stop, you will not come near me. You will not come near her. You know, if you take one more step, I'm going to blah, blah, blah. Like she essentially had me act out that scene. Um, It wasn't like I was mentally imagining that situation. I was physically using my body in that situation. And that's where it's somatic, right? That's using okay. your body. With Satyan, a lot of what I was doing with Satyan in terms of somatic experience therapy was bringing awareness to my body and then allowing my nervous system to regulate itself. For example, if I said, oh, I'm feeling a lot of um, tightness in my stomach and he'd be like, okay, what do you feel? Any other feelings anywhere else? I'd be like, yeah, I've got a heaviness on my chest and we kind of describe that heaviness a bit more. And then he'd be like, you know, what does it feel like in your right toe? What does it feel like where your back is touching the chair? And I'd be like, oh, where my back is touching the chair, that feels quite supportive. That feels quite comfortable. And what he is essentially doing through this process that he uses just over and over and over and over again, it's like he's teaching you a skill is when you notice that there are other sensations in your body. A lot of times when we have, say, anxiety, I feel anxiety in my stomach. So I'm so focused on that tightness in my stomach. And what he helps you to do and what he guides you to do is become aware of all the sensations in your body. So the sensations in your back, the sensations in your legs, the sensation where your butt's on the chair, the sensation in your head. And what happens... uh, physically in your body then is once your brain realizes oh wow like there's all of these different sensations going on your nervous system automatically does its own work and regulates so do you see the difference yes definitely so from what I'm looking at from the outside it's like somatic therapy is essentially kind of where you are imagining and physically reacting you know, or or trying to react to a past situation, kind of, uh, kind of way of going back into a previous event and um, taking action in a way to what are you doing there? You're, you're reprogramming the memory, but rather than doing it simply with your mind, you're doing it with your body as well. Because, like in the body keeps the score, um, I think that's Vessel van der Kolt. He talks about how when you end up in these traumatic situations, it's almost like you freeze in that situation. Your body and your nervous system freezes in that moment. And when you do a somatic work to kind of reprogram that memory somatically, it kind of releases whatever that whatever is frozen in that moment. And then with with, um, the somatic experience therapy, then it seems to be more like a present awareness of how your body is reacting in this moment, how you are reacting to the physical sensations in your body in this moment in order to create a new norm. Yeah, so it's essentially just bringing awareness to all of the sensations in your body without like judging or making meaning of anything. And then your body does the work itself. So it's kind of, it's a different process in that you're not make you know you're not coming up with a way to reprogram a specific memory. All you're doing is noticing how that maybe memory brings up certain sensations in your body and then by being aware of all the sensations then your body, your nervous system, your brain naturally knows how to regulate. We don't actually have to 
do something specific to regulate. We just have to bring awareness. We have to bring the brain's awareness to all the different parts of our system, not just the part that's currently triggered. Okay, so interesting. What I'm kind of noticing is when you're doing the somatic therapy with regards, um, you know, where you're kind of going back into reprogramming old memories, it seems that you are working nearly with the mind. You're working with the the thought patterns, the mind and the body at the same time. There's this kind of um, reprogramming. You're going back into those memories. Whereas with the somatic experience, experiencing therapy, it seems that you're not, because this is one of the big parts of healing that I find is probably, probably was the most difficult, was detaching from the mind. Um, so yeah, so, you know, what I found was when I was doing this work, I would, you know, say bring up or have a memory or a traumatic event, and then I would get caught up in the mind about it. But it, I actually wasn't processing or dealing with anything that was happening within my body. And so with um, Satya and where you're talking about the somatic experiencing therapy, he's very much disconnecting the mind as in you're not going into the memories. You're just acknowledging what it is that's happening in your body, say, if a memory comes up and allowing your body to find homeostasis, find safety. And like you said, um, that nervous system response to create that regulated nervous system response. Yeah, exactly. So generally what the format of the session was, I would go in there, I would talk about something that was triggering or something uncomfortable happening in my life or a memory that had resurfaced or whatever it was. And we talked through that for a little bit. And then he would say, okay, where do you feel that in your body? What sensations? How big is the sensation? How dense is the sensation? And we would just bring awareness to all the different parts. We're no longer focusing on the memory itself. We're focusing on the sensation in the body. And sometimes some of those sensations, like when you focus on, say, for example, I was like, yeah, I can feel a real heaviness in my chest. Then something might come to my awareness around that memory in relation to that like it could be like I'm so afraid I'm so scared and so then I would vocalize that you know like this sensation in my chest like the the kind of feeling I'm getting or the kind of not words because it's not words but what it's kind of saying to me is I feel really scared or something like that might happen but we're not really focused on the memory anymore it's all about the body yeah. And like, I'd like to talk a bit about my experience of working with Satya. And I only worked with Satya for a, a small period of time, but I'd like to know if your experience was similar. I hated it. Like I hated it initially. <laughs> I was like, this is a form of torture because I wanted to talk about anything but what I was feeling in my body. And Satya was like, okay, and where do you feel that in your body? And I was like, I don't want to fucking talk about my body. My body is uncomfortable. The feelings and sensations I feel in my body is why I've ran my whole entire life. I don't want to know what's in my body. How did you find the moving into somatic therapy? How did you find that transition? And why did you choose to do it yourself? So I, I chose, so there's three questions there that I'm going to try to remember. One I chose to do somatic experience therapy because I'd heard it mentioned on a lot of different things. Like I'd read The Body Keeps the Score. I'd read a number of other books that talked about somatic therapy. I'd read, um, I'd listened to a lot of podcasts. It was just everywhere. Everybody was talking about it. And generally when that happens, I kind of take it as like a uh, sign from the universe that that's something I need to do. 
So I looked up, I what I do now all the time is I just look up like whatever type of therapy, I type it into Google and I type Australia and I type therapist. So what came up was somatic experiencing ex, uh, Australia therapist. Um, and he was listed, but there was only a few people listed on the um, Western Australian list for trained somatic experience therapist. And he was only like five minutes away from me. So that's why I decided to choose him. And, and I understood that I'm very in my mind. I'm very intellectual. I, I don't go into my body a lot. And I recognize that I had to start. I didn't know what I needed. I just knew that I wasn't very connected to my body. And that was something I needed to do and work on. Um, I don't know what I was expecting, but what I got wasn't what I was expecting. Like in the beginning, it was very much him helping me map my nervous system, like map the sensations in my body because I didn't really have like an understanding of the sensations in my body. I could tell you that my stomach was tight if I was feeling anxious or, or my chest was feeling heavy, but then he would be like, okay, but how, how does it feel in your arm or how does it feel in your leg or how does it feel in your back right now? And that was something that I wasn't able to tell him at first what that felt like because I had only really paid attention to the sensations that I wanted to get rid of so I'd never really mapped what it felt like in my body for those good sensations and so a lot of the work that we did in the beginning was literally just me learning how to read my body and it just got to the point where if I was doing something where I felt relaxed or I felt like I was enjoying it or there was something nice about it. I would start asking myself, what about this feels good? What exactly um, in my body does this feel like? And essentially what he was trying to help me do was learn about all the sensations in my body. So when I have the sensations that aren't necessarily comfortable or nice, I can go to another part of my body that's experiencing not a, a bad sensation like for example if I've got um a real tight painful feeling in my solar plexus I can go to my leg and I don't feel that tightness or feel that uncomfortable sensation in my leg and it just kind of helps the brain to go to to come back out of fight or flight and start to regulate I was the same with you in terms of I found it difficult to not be in my mind but I think I was in a bit of a different situation because I had the time and capacity to do that groundwork you know all of that groundwork where he was literally just helping me to map my nervous system that took months and months and months and I had that time because I didn't have two kids I didn't have all the, the responsibility that you had I wasn't in such a bad state as you were I think that's why it worked well for me I think it would have been very hard for me to have done it if I was in your state. And one of the things that I talked to him about in the interview is the fact that when someone is in a state like where they're suicidal or something like that, like how can you navigate that? Because there is a certain amount of mind work that needs to be done there. And he told me that he does parts work. 
Now, he didn't do parts work with me, not that I remember, but that made a lot of sense to me because I feel like when I've thought about the ideal combination for me in terms of therapy, and there's quite a few things, but the two main ones uh, when we talk about non-drug assisted types of therapy, the somatic experience therapy coupled with the parts work therapy. So he uses Janina Fisher's parts work therapy. I use internal family systems parts work therapy. You use a lot of inner child work for your therapy. I know other people who use schema therapy. They're all different types of parts work therapy, but I think that they are necessary for the system as a whole, the mind and body. And he actually does use parts work. So I think that's just not something that I experienced with him in my therapy, maybe because I didn't need to, because I was seeing another therapist for that. But I completely agree with you. Like there was definitely a part of me that struggled to just deal with the sensations in my body. And I felt like that was because I am so intellectual in how I deal with stuff. You're more body focused though. I am more body focused, but one thing I want to say is, you know, for anyone listening to this, we will do a podcast episode on IFS and on parts work and everything, because that's a whole podcast episode. Not everyone yeah. will understand what we're talking about we're when we say to, um, parts or parts work. So just, you know, a little um, snippet of that is parts work is, you know, as Jackie said, there's inner child work, there's parts work, but all of it essentially is really kind of connecting with these wounded parts of self. Sometimes we call them aspects, inner child, inner children. Um, fragmented you know, parts. Yeah, there's fragmented a whole parts. host of different words for them. Yeah, but essentially it's, I guess, working with this reality. And I would definitely say it's the reality that there's not just one part of us. We're not just one um, whole part. There is many parts of us, you know, and, and we say that obviously, you know, during the part that's with my husband or the part that goes to work or, you know, a lot of the time we use the that part language. The that anxious in social situations. Yeah. The part that so wants my boyfriend to do dishes and he won't. Yeah, we use that language regularly, but we don't take it at actual face value that there are different parts and aspects of us, which is why we show up so differently sometimes, sometimes so calm, then other times so crazy and, and, and um, yeah, whatever that may be. Again, we'll do a whole um, one or two episodes on that because it's a very big topic for us. I'm going to interview my psychologist who is trained in internal family systems therapy, which is the type of parts work that I use and you use. She's also your psychologist. Yeah. Um, And so why I believe especially that it was so hard for me to work with Satyen was because at that point in time, I was not capable of being in my body. And working with him was way too difficult and intense for me because I had the kids. It was as if I was being placed back into the trauma when I wasn't safe. I wasn't feeling safe when I was working with Satyan. There was very little good that was happening in my life at that point. Um, you know, I, that was a really bad place. I was in triggered with the kids. And so I believe it was because I was so unsafe that anchoring into my body and trying to feel what was in my body was way too overwhelming. You know, I found mm-hmm. the sessions as much as now somatic therapy and that type of um, embodied work is 90%. Like that's the most important part of my work, I believe, is allowing myself to feel and be in tune 
with what my body is experiencing. And in many ways, that's the emotions I'm feeling. What am I feeling in my body? How can I allow myself to feel that? How can I allow that to move through my body? At that point in time, I was so overwhelmed. I was drowning already in so much um, overwhelm that going deeper into that overwhelm or even acknowledging it felt too too much for me at the time, I mm. think. And so my mind was constantly in the sessions. It was just a constant battle where my mind was trying to pull me and distract me away from my body. I've heard so many people talk about meditation recently, you know, and how they can't meditate and, you know, this shame about not being able to meditate. And this is something that I've really recognized recently and, and that has come to me. And people talk about meditation and they talk about presence. But if you aren't um, safe, if you don't feel safe with the sensations in your body, the emotions in your body, then it's very hard to meditate because your mind, your monkey mind will get way more intense. And why the monkey mind gets so intense is because it's trying to distract us from the sensations that we feel in our body in that quiet and in that stillness. So it's not that people can't meditate and it's not that there's something wrong with them. It's just that they have a lot of repressed um, emotions and unfelt, unprocessed emotions in their body that mm. they don't feel safe experiencing and feeling. Um, I just yes. wanted to note that because it's very much in that somatic realm. Yes, definitely. definitely. And also presence where we talk so so much about being present. It's the buzzword, you know, and yeah. presence can be so lethal, so dangerous for someone with our type of trauma or anyone with any type of physical, sexual, or just very chaotic childhoods where they weren't safe to be in their body. Presence and being present can elicit severe responses in our nervous systems. And if you don't have the tools and if you don't have the support, it's a very dangerous thing to to tell someone to be present and anchor in presence when well, it, people just won't be able to do it if they're not at a place where they're uh, where they're feeling safe enough to do that. And then what happens is they just feel guilty or shameful because they can't do it. You know, yeah, like exactly nobody can force yeah. someone to be present in their body. They can say oh yeah I want you to be present in your body but if that person isn't capable of doing that in that moment that's generally just going to cause guilt shame or feeling lack of feeling less than yeah and I think that's really important I really feel like these points are so important because I think in the healing realm so many people so many clients that I've worked with just so many people that I meet there's so much shame if they don't meditate it's like they're not doing the work or if they don't um practice presence or if they allow their mind to be, you know, overactive. But this somatic conversation, the experience of our bodies, um, it really is such a powerful force that the nervous system and the dysregulation of the nervous system is a, such a powerful force that there is a very large pocket of people who really don't um, feel safe and, and wouldn't find that safety in things like meditating or being present or a number of the other things that uh, spiritual teachers say that well if you're not meditating then how are you going to heal or whatever crap that that is you know um I think what I say you know I've said to to people before and I've said it in the group is one of the things that I really recommend within that somatic realm is you don't have to sit down and meditate what you can do is just try and be present even if you put on a timer for a half a minute and just say, for this half a minute, I'm not going to follow my mind. I'm just going to do the dishes. I'm going to do everything that I was doing. But I'm just going to allow myself to acknowledge 
whatever sensations are in my body while I'm doing something else, while I'm washing the dishes, while I'm, you know, um, going for a walk. And in that little period, you know, you get a taster of what somatic therapy is. It's just a little bit of um, a, a moment in time to be like, well, what is it I'm feeling in my body? You know, what is it that I'm running from? And can I allow myself one minute to just be with my body? And one of the things that I always say that is um, is so profound is when you put that timer on for a minute, you will find that your mind goes into hyperdrive, you know, and it's, it's you know, recognizing that your mind is just, it's trying to protect you from feeling what's in your body and just saying, it's only a minute. I'm just going to feel what's in my body for this minute, whatever emotions are there, whatever it is that's in my um, experience. I just find that that's a good way of kind of dipping your toes into somatic therapy without doing the whole close your eyes, feel everything that's in your body in that stillness. And I think a lot of what these, any therapist does, aside from being a guide, is just holding a safe container so that if you don't have one yourself, they kind of provide that for you for that hour. So you do potentially have the ability to sit with some of that. And I think that's also why it's so valuable to try do some of this stuff before the shit really hits the fan. You know, like you can go to a somatic experience therapist and start mapping your and tracking the sensations in your body before it gets to a point where you're about to jump off a cliff. Or if you have a friend who also would like to try some of this work, you can literally just take turns at going, okay, what does that feel like? You know, when, as we're going for a walk right now, what does it feel like in your body? Oh, so you're feeling overwhelmed. What does that feel like in your body? You can both help each other to become more aware of the sensations in your body. And that person doesn't need to be any kind of guide or analyst or anything. They can literally just ask one question. Where do you feel that in your body? Sometimes just having a person to bounce things off of like that can also be helpful if you don't have the money to go to a somatic experience therapist or if you just, for whatever reason, don't want to go. Yeah. And one thing that I've um, spoke a lot with, with my own clients is the way I see it is when we have trauma and childhood, the way I see it is it's like where it's electrical cable and the electrical cable has been cut. And so you've got your mind is not wired in to your body. And so for a lot of my clients, especially with the ones with severe trauma, they don't have, they actually couldn't tell me what they feel in their body. They had no awareness of what, even the sensations, you know, I say, what do you feel in your body? And they don't even have the language. They don't even have the words to say what it is that they are feeling because they've never had that experience of connecting in with their body. And so the thing that I, you know, really, um, I guess, emphasizes being such a powerful tool is we work on fusing those wires again between the mind and the consciousness and the body, the feeling somatic experience within that body. And the way I do that is I just say, you know, you can, anyone listening to this can do this. You can print off. I actually have a handout so I can put it up anyways, but you can print off all of the emotions, you know, all of the feelings that you can feel in your body. And what I was saying was try regularly throughout the day to pause and ask yourself, what is it I'm feeling? And look at the piece of paper, you know, look at the piece of paper with all of these emotions. And what's so fascinating is your consciousness will pull you to whatever it is you're feeling. So you might hold that piece of paper and you're like, I don't even know what I'm feeling. And suddenly your eyes connect on fear. 
oh, I'm feeling fear. That's okay, I'm feeling fear. And then there's another category then where I say there is fear and underneath that there's many other, you know, kind of versions of fear. And so it's like, oh, I'm feeling fear. I'm feeling um, unsafe right now. And it's like, okay, well, that's what I'm feeling. It's connecting that brain, that mind with the experience within the body so that we can start bridging that gap and coming mm. more into the embodied practice. It's um, only when we can tune into and reconnect those wires that really the somatic experiencing work can happen because you can't meet or process what you do not know that you're feeling. Well, body. actually, Satyan said that even he asked someone, do you feel any sensations in your body? And they say no. He says that's perfect. It's just the awareness is I don't feel any sensations in my body. The work that he's doing is just around be, bringing to awareness whatever is. If that's a dissociation, if that's just I don't feel anything, then that's what it is. Perfect. You know, like yeah. it just seems very much around bringing awareness acceptance. to whatever it is happening. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah definitely... he doesn't he doesn't use the word acceptance as far as I know, but more so just awareness because acceptance I think would be to suggest it's almost a judgment like if you're accepting something you've made a judgment haven't you so say for example you might find say I feel numb what do I do with that you know um and I'm saying you know that's great you feel numb just accept that you feel numb it's just acknowledge acknowledge I guess and accept yeah acknowledge the same, acknowledge the same yeah. frame you know yeah um but it's more the reason I say acceptance is because in many cases, especially when you're, I find when I'm doing this work, I'm generally either in acceptance or I'm in resistance. And so, so often when I'm, a lot of the times when, you know, I would speak to my clients on something, the reason they're having an issue is because they're resisting that they're feeling it. Like they're feeling, I feel numb and I don't want to feel numb. I shouldn't feel numb. And so it's just very much about, you know, you feel numb, that's fine. That's okay. Yeah. Let's find acceptance for the fact that you're feeling numb. The same that we find acceptance for feeling joy or anger or sadness, which is the challenge. When we've learned to resist all of our feelings and emotions for such a long time, shifting into that allowance, acknowledgement, acceptance is um, is key and hard at the same time. Yes. And so with working with Satyen, what did you find was the most beneficial takeaway um, from your work with him? I think there was a lot of uh, benefits. You know, he was the first male therapist I worked with ever. I think he's the only male therapist I've worked with. And yeah, so that in itself, like the only reason was because he was only five minutes down the road and there was so few somatic experience therapists listed on that website that I was like, okay, well, it just makes sense for me to go to him. So I think it was really nice to build a safe relationship with a man in that way. I don't know what age he is. Maybe he's in his 70s or something. He's a retired GP, so he's retired age. Um, I'm going to listen to this because I hope you haven't overshot there. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I have no idea if he's going to listen to this. Um, he, he is the most laid back man I've ever met in my life. Like I remember the first day I went to see him and... I walked in, he, he has his sessions at his house. He has like a room off of his house where he does the sessions. And I walked in and I was like, the first thing I said to him was something like, you know, I didn't really want to see a male therapist because the majority of the people who abused me as a child were male. And so it's not really my preference to have 
a male doing this kind of work with me but I don't really have any other options because there's only four of you listed on the site and you're the closest to me so I guess you'll do (laughs) and I was like totally testing him you know like I was totally seeing how he'd react um and there was definitely like I did it with a straight face but there was definitely an air of humor behind it and I think as well I was just trying to break the tension because I'm walking into like a room with two chairs in it it's a few plants like I took the piss out of him so many times for how sparse that room was but it was just quite intimidating and he didn't even flinch like you could tell he knew exactly what I I was doing and he was just like okay well why don't you take a seat and we can discuss that further (laughs) he was just so cool as a cucumber and yeah so I think I think that was really nice and also as much as we did do a lot of work we also joked around a lot like he's he's not like the typical therapist like he would take the piss out of me we would laugh about things Uh, I would take the piss out of him and he was very good about it like it was I think he liked to have the serious parts but also have the light-hearted parts and I think it was partly his personality and partly a decision on his part to bring awareness to the fact that not everything is always serious and also I think it's just part of his personality to be honest um but yeah like I think having such a safe um relationship with an older man was definitely beneficial the the hugely beneficial part for me was literally just learning how to read my nervous system and learning how to read the sensations in my body and definitely not just the negative sensations but the positive sensations and just really I just didn't understand anything or any of the sensations really that were happening in my body so understanding that was was by far the biggest thing and then also just the fact that the sessions always took the same format you know like we talked about what it, whatever it was. We went into the body. We looked at the sensations in the body. We brought awareness to the sensations. It was just the same thing over and over again. And I find that I learn better that way when you're just, you know, there's so many therapists out there who will have different tools in their tool belt and they'll bring out a different tool based on what what's going on in that moment. With Satyen, it was very somatic experience focused. I found that valuable because one, I was able to learn how to do it enough that then I didn't need to see him anymore. So I was in a position where I could afford to have, you know, three different therapists for three different things. I recognize that most people financially aren't in that position. And so someone who can do a little bit of parts work with you, a little bit of somatic therapy with you, a little bit of, you know, coaching with you, like obviously that's going to be helpful. But for me, um just really learning that tool really helped me to in my everyday life so I'd love to ask can you give us a an example of your experience of life before you did somatic therapy experiencing therapy and afterwards so one of the things that happens is I can give a specific example or do you want to like a general example well give me both like because I think that's really important so like you know, say before you did um, learn your nervous system, how would your responses, reactivity, how would your life, um, 
your yeah experiences look um, and then how would it look in a similar situation following learning these tools? Okay, so I'll give two different examples. One thing that happens to me, as you know, is I wake up in the middle of the night and I panic. I wake up and I'm in a panic attack. So I don't know if I'm having a nightmare and I wake up and I'm in the panic attack or if I, I don't know. I don't know how it happens, but I wake up and I'm having a panic attack. Before I did the work with Satyan, you know, really it was just a matter of riding at the wave. I wasn't really able to do anything about that. Um, whereas, wait, Satyan, what does riding out the wave mean? What does that look like? What What's riding out the wave? Ride out the panic attack. Just let it play out. Just allow it to do its thing. And what did that panic, panic attack. attack look like? It felt like I couldn't control anything. My chest and stomach felt like uh, I was just being punched. I felt very afraid and terrified, fast breathing, fast heart rate. But particularly, it just felt like something in my stomach was about to blow, like like my appendix were about to blow, just pain, 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 pain. And how long roughly would that last for? Generally, an hour or two. And how often would you experience that? Um, around the time when I was going to Satyan is when all that all the memories came back up. So that was like most nights. And then following your work with Satyan or during your work with Satyan, did you notice that kind of shifting and changing? And then what did it look like afterwards? So one of the things that he helped me to learn was um, touch points. So I could feel the panic and everything. And I could go, okay, so how does, so I'd feel the pain in my stomach and I would go, how does it feel like where the sheets are touching my leg? How does it feel like where my leg is touching the mattress? How does it feel like, what are the sensations in my foot at the end of the bed? And so it brought the awareness away from the panic attack and to these other parts of my body, because even though I was feeling like severe pain in my stomach, I wasn't feeling severe pain in my foot. There was no pain there at all. And the sensation of the sheets touching my legs was a nice comforting sensation. And the sensation of the weight of my hip on the ma- in the mattress where the mattress was supporting my body, that was a comfortable sensation. So it wasn't necessarily that like my panic attack wasn't existing. It was just that I was aware that there was multiple other states existing as well. And that helped reduce how scary it was to be in that panic attack. So the panic attack was still there, but I was also aware that these other sensations that weren't scary. And so that helped to take some of that real scary fear sensation out of that um, experience it's not that somatic experience therapy helps me to not wake up in a panic attack and I still have to ride out the panic attack but it's a little bit less scary because I'm realizing okay like I can't control this panic attack right now but I can realize that while I'm having this panic attack I'm also experiencing this comfortable sensation of my body resting on the mattress I'm also experiencing how good the sheets feel against my legs and all of that does that make sense yeah, it does make sense. And I'm kind of thinking, is it in part that, that, you know, when you feel that intensity, say, of the emotions and the emotional experience of the panic attack, is it a sense of giving you back some control? 
that you, rather than you feeling out of control within the panic attack, it's like you have the control to bring your awareness to other parts, other experiences, other feelings. Is Do you think it's more, um, or do you think it's a part of that, that you feel less helpless in the moment because you have that control over where your, you know, where your own thought patterns um, are going and the experiences that other experiences you can choose to acknowledge? I think that's part of it. Yeah, like taking back a little bit of control by bringing my awareness to other parts of my body. I think when I'm in the panic attack, I'm back in whatever memory caused that panic attack, even though I don't see a memory. We don't have a lot of our memory. So a lot of symptoms that I experience, I don't get a memory with them. I just am feeling terrified. I'm feeling all of these feelings. So I think part of what it's doing is there's some part of me that is reliving an experience in that in that moment. I'm not aware of the experience that it's reliving, but by noticing the other experiencing that the other experiences that I'm having, you know, where my body's on the mattress, my 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 feet's at the end of the bed, I am showing my brain and my nervous system that while yes, there is this part of me experiencing whatever trauma that I went through. There's also this other part of me that's experiencing this good sensation. And so in this present moment. In this present moment. And so it's kind of like the brain then goes, oh, so we're maybe, maybe we're not back there, or maybe we are there, but we're also here. And I think it's just essentially giving another perspective to the brain. So then the brain can do whatever it needs to do to calm the nervous system. Yeah. And it's really interesting, like when you talk about it, because I have a bit of a different way of doing and working with these sensations. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, when I feel these sensations, so say, for example, if I was having a panic attack or it depends on what it is that I'm experiencing. Obviously, recently I was sick, I had a diet or vomiting and everything. And when I was experiencing that, I was experiencing so many emotions, you know, so many physical sensations within my body. Um, and it was fascinating because as time has gone on for me, I found the more that I lean into the pain and focus, it's not even focus on it, but nearly hold it. Like, you know, when I was sick, I was like, okay, I acknowledge that I'm feeling really helpless. I was like, I was able to kind of pinpoint this feeling, this sickness that the emotion is bringing up within me is helplessness. I feel helpless. And it's like, okay, what else is there? And I was able to, you know, kind of bring more awareness to, okay, I'm feeling vulnerable. I can't get out of bed. Okay. And as I started piecing together what it was I was feeling, and as I spoke to my inner child, so generally I do a lot of inner child work or parts work, like you say, but I started saying to this part of me, you know, it's okay. It's okay to feel helpless in this moment. It's okay to feel vulnerable. I was having an emotional flashback. But leaning into it and speaking to my inner child, I find sometimes that I actually do end up then having memories come up or having a cognitive awareness of what it is that she is experiencing. And I feel that that it does happen more when I lean into it rather than bringing my awareness and attention away from it. When I can lean deeper into it, into the intensity of it, sometimes it's, it's sometimes I can't like sometimes it, like when it's so intense. Like you said, it's riding the wave. It's, it's getting through it without, you know, in a safe way. But I found that the more that I've gotten comfortable with the deep sensations in my body, the more 
um, strength and resilience and um, it is just more comfort and safety I guess I have within my body because I'm less afraid of these sensations less afraid of the pain when I was sick last week that was really intense like I was feeling nauseous and yeah really sick lying in bed and the there was this deep sense of shame and pain and helplessness and vulnerability and before I would have been just terrified resisting it you know Whereas I recognize in that moment, this is an opportunity for me to lean into it, you know, lean into the pain, lean into the helplessness, allow the shame. And I just felt myself as I was there feeling all of the sensations of being sick or being vulnerable. I just felt myself just whispering to these parts of me, you know, wherever you are, whatever it is you're experiencing right now, this flashback that I'm experiencing, you're not alone anymore. I'm here with you. You're safe. And I just felt as much as it was a really difficult day and it was a few days that I was sick, I felt so much um, centeredness and um, more peace kind of enter into my body because I found that capacity to lean into it. We can't always have that, but I feel like that is the, the beauty of getting more comfortable with your inner world, that somatic experience yeah. that you're having, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I think that there's many ways of dealing and, and moving through, but definitely like that somatic experiencing, um, it's just so powerful because I feel like it means that you're less less of a victim to the experiences of your everyday mm-hmm. existence. Sometimes the situation I'm describing there is where I do have a certain amount of cognitive awareness um, quite there quite often when it's those nighttime things for me where I wake up in the middle of the night and whether it's catastrophic thinking, a panic attack or uh, other things that happen, quite often I don't actually have any, it's very hard to describe, but it's like, it's like I'm in a dream. I'm not like I'm awake. I'm 100% awake, but my brain isn't online like mm. normal. Like I can't think the way the person that I'm speaking, like the person that you're speaking to right now, this person isn't isn't there. Um, I can't think to myself, oh, I'll just think about where my hip is in the be- in the mattress. I'll just uh, lean into this experience. Yeah. And it's a very hard thing for me to try to describe, especially because I am quite articulate. I am quite capable of explaining my experiences. When I'm in that state. I'm it's like I'm on a drug you know like I'm afterwards I can explain to you what the experience was but when I'm in it it's like I'm drugged up I'm not all there my thinking mind is not working yeah the other example I was going to give you which is more of a just like an over overview life experience example which I think is just as important an example as the panic attacks is before I did the somatic experiencing therapy with Satyan. I would be having an experience like having a shower and feeling really good or going for a walk and feeling really good or just being in, in, in nature and feeling relaxed. And I wouldn't really recognize that experience for what it was um, or be aware of it. And so a lot of my thinking was always like, oh, I have all of these bad experiencing all of these symptoms you know like 
symptoms throughout the day, throughout the night. And that was always what I focused on. And it was only after I did the work with Satyan that I'd be like having a good experience and I'd be going, oh, this is a good experience. You know, like I'm sitting here, I'm feeling relaxed. My muscles are uh, loose and comfortable. Chair against my back feels really good. The sun on my face makes me feel nice and warm. And so it was almost like I was bringing awareness to those moments, something into my life that I hadn't had before that was an awareness that my life is good. Awareness wow. that not, my life is not just one panic attack, one anxiety, one uh, catastrophization, one uh, blah, 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 like just add them all up. Um, it's just not one after another. Like I'll have, I'll wake up and I'll have anxiety and a pain in my stomach, but then I'll go and sit my co- sit with my coffee in the sun in the garden and I'll notice that that's a beautiful experience now. And I'll notice how that feels in my body. And it's like by mapping those good sensations, sometimes when I'm in a position where I am having a bit of a panicky moment, not a panic attack, but it's just like a panicky, nervous moment, I can kind of remember sitting in the garden and what that felt like. And that can help regulate my nervous system. So I think that is equally as important to the how beneficial that therapy was for my life as the panic attacks. I totally, totally agree. Like, I think that it is, it's, it, that seems like, like, I guess to, to many, it may be like, well, that's a, you know, wow, yippee, I feel good in a moment, you know. But in reality, when you're struggling and when you become aware of your trauma, you know, so often we're just unaware of it. But when you do become aware of it, you do feel like your whole life is dominated by it, dominated by the pain, the anxiety, the sadness. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I went away with um, Alicia that, that time a few weeks ago, and it was just this blissful moment where I looked up at the trees and I was just really appreciating the trees. And I was not afraid of how I felt in my body. I wasn't afraid of what emotions I might feel next. I was just so present in the moment and able to enjoy the moment because I always felt terrified of the good moments because I knew a bad moment was going to follow. Mm-hmm. It was that yeah. constant, you know, it's going to be snapped away from me. And so I couldn't even enjoy it when it was there. And yeah. with the somatic therapy, experiencing all of that um, inner work, in that moment, I was like, even if something bad happens, if someone calls me in the next hour and it's really triggering, I'll deal with it. I can feel yeah. whatever I need to feel in the moment and that'll be okay. But for now, I can really appreciate everything that this beautiful moment has to offer. And like you, like that moment, that that day just, you know, I feel like that becomes the anchor point for me for my healing. Yeah. Like yeah. every time when I think about, you know, when the, t- the going gets tough and we're really in the thick of shit in this healing journey, I imagine and envision that freedom I felt in that moment. And I, I know that I will have that. I know that everything that I do, every single day that I show up, it is walking me on the path to the to more moments like that, where eventually those moments outweigh the moments of anxiety because mm-hmm. it's all about creating that self-awareness I don't have to be hypervigilant all the time because I know that I am strong enough, resilient enough that whatever it is that comes up within my body, 
I can deal with it in the moment. I don't have to prepare for it. I don't have to get ready for the onslaught. But because you and I had such a severely traumatic, the unveiling of our memories was so traumatic. It was so sudden. It was carpet under our feet. You know, obviously we had the year beforehand where we were doing a lot of that kind of unveiling. But then all of a sudden, everything was out. It really put me into this place of having to prepare for that moment again. You know, it's like if that ever happened again, I'll be prepared. I'm, I'll be nearly ready for it rather than just being in the present and knowing that whatever happens, I can deal with it. And that's, I feel, mm-hmm. the difference between before you learn the somatic um, experience in therapy or just that emotion, how to process, how to be with yourself and your own emotional experience. And after, when you have done this work for a bit, and you're not afraid of what may be within your body. Yeah, it's interesting. I was talking to a, I met a new friend the other day, and he was asking what I did. And I said, I'm a part-time truck driver, part-time podcaster, part-time doomsday planner. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like so much of my time, like you were saying, in the good moments when things are good, there's also this thought in your head like, you know, this isn't going to last, you know, like the shit's going to hit the fan or whatever, you know. And I think definitely, uh, like you said, really learning to experience those moments for what they are and not doomsday plan, not use them as an opportunity to prepare for what bad experience is going to follow yeah like I think we can use those good moments as our anchor or foundation and then when the negative experiences happen they happen on top of that foundation definitely and I was listening to and they've done this uh, study this supposedly they've finished it anyways but it's a happiness study essentially um but I was just listening to the podcast uh, sorry I can't remember what his name was um well essentially he was just saying that you know, when you grow up in a traumatic household where there's lots of chaos, whatever that chaos might look like, whether it's fighting, divorce, um, alcoholic parent, whatever it may be, when these children grow up to be adults, their baseline is chaos. Their baseline mm-hmm. and familiarity of life is things have to be drama-filled, chaotic, fast-paced, there is no space for a regulated nervous system because regulated nervous system, every time we would have had a calm, centered nervous system, something would have happened. And mm-hmm. so it became the norm then to live in hypervigilant, hyper aroused nervous system state. And that's why I know for me, drinking coffee, meat and sugar is very safe for me because it mm-hmm. replicates that hyper arousal in my nervous system. It makes me mm-hmm. feel safe and familiar because it speeds up my heart rate. I feel jittery and that feels safe for me because that's been my whole life, my whole existence. And when I came off coffee and sugar for a while there, I remember, you know, I said, oh, well, I'll only have like half a a coffee or whatever and I'll have half a raw treat. And I couldn't get over the reaction in my body. You know, it was like just complete chaos. My nervous system was just pinging. And I was like, holy shit, this is exactly how I felt my whole entire childhood. And this is what felt familiar. It felt safe to have the coffee and the and the sugar because that that familiarity of that hyper aroused state felt more safe than feeling calm and centered and quiet. When I feel calm and centered and there's nothing happening, 
I feel I'm just preparing for someone to stamp on me like I'm an ant, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's just safer to be quick. And again, this is all about the tools that you're learning and you are learning with Satyan to bring your nervous system to a safe baseline, a normal baseline, not this chaotic baseline that we were yeah. um, brought up in. Yeah, so I don't work with Satyan anymore. I worked with him for a year and then basically kind of, I knew how to do it then. So I didn't really need to work with him anymore. If you were to give, I'd love um, for you to give your, I guess your synopsis for anyone who has never heard of somatic experience therapy. Obviously, I hope that they'll have a bit more of an understanding after listening to this and um, listening to the um, podcast episode. But from your experience of the trauma that you had and not having done somatic experience therapy, who would you recommend to do um, somatic experience therapy? And also, who would you recommend not not to do it? Or is there um, a certain, um, I guess, certain type of um, whatever people who you wouldn't recommend to do it? Or is there anything else you'd like to touch on with that for anyone thinking about it or considering trying it? I think the main thing that I would say is when it comes to the difference between somatic experiencing therapy and somatic therapy, somatic experiencing therapy is kind of a very specific thing that someone gets specific training in. So if you want that type of therapy, you need to go to, you just need to type into Google somatic experiencing therapy and the country that you're in or the city that you're in. Um, plus therapist and you probably get a list of people in your area who are trained in that specific type of therapy Um, you can I'm sure you can do somatic experience therapy through online calls I know Satyan prefers not to do it that way because I guess like you know you're really looking at someone's body but anyways um, he does do it if, if needs be but I think it's probably better in person probably I would imagine I did in person and I'm a huge fan of online therapy. I prefer to do online therapy if I can at all. But I think for somatic experiencing or somatic therapy, I would probably recommend uh, in person if possible, but doesn't need to be. When it comes to somatic therapy, that can, you know, someone can list somatic therapy and they might have done a two year course or they might have watched a YouTube video. So it's just more so about understanding what they mean when they say they do somatic therapy and the type of somatic therapy that I described is only the type that I have experienced I'm sure there's lots of people who do somatic work in a different way so when it comes to that I think it's important really just to like um try out a session with the person to see how it is they do their somatic work and see if that resonates for you if if it feels good for you, if you get something out of it. But for me, definitely, I think somatic experiencing is so beneficial because I was learning how to help myself. I was learning how to map my own body. And I'm a huge proponent of mapping your own system, whether that's your your nervous system, your bodily sensations, your thoughts, your parts. I am a huge mapper. So personally, I think that it's really important to do that work. However, if you only have the money to employ one therapist, say, um, I would say try find someone who does a combination of parts work and somatic therapy or somatic experiencing therapy. Perfect. 
And is there anyone that you would say, um, yeah, shouldn't do it or should maybe pause or consider before doing it? I think once somebody does a session, like anything, if they are just really not signed up, you know, like if they're doing the session, but they really don't want to be doing it, there's a lot of resistance. It's just not feeling like the right time for them. Then don't do it because, you know, it took me a long time to be ready to do somatic work. For a long time, I was not ready and I did not force myself because I recognized that like there was no part of me that wanted to do it. And if I had pushed myself, I'm not sure that I really would have got the value out of it that I got. And look, if you've got, you know, plenty of money to employ therapists for everything that you need, then great. You know, like even if you're not getting the most out of that session, you're still getting something. It's like if you employ a personal trainer to go to do the gym with you and you go and you kind of half arse it. Well, if you're really stuck for money, that's kind of a waste of your money. But if you've got plenty Mm. of money, then why not? You know, like at least you're getting something out of it. So I would just say like, really decide for yourself if it's the right time for you, because no therapist is going to tell you, oh, I don't think you should be doing this right now because they don't want you to feel rejected. Um, So yeah, like really just feeling into your own self. And sometimes there can be resistance, but part of you that knows you need to do it. That's not what I'm talking about. Like if you have this knowing, like this is something I definitely feel like I need to do. I'm nervous about it. You know, I'm, there's definitely parts of me that's feeling resistant to doing it, but I know it's the right thing to do. I'm kind of like shitting a brick. Yeah, like do it. But if every part of you is like, this just doesn't feel right. Like I feel pressured into it. Then I think that was me. Yeah. You know, I think, I think definitely for me, I didn't get any, really, I don't think I got much benefit from working with Satyen only for the fact that, you know, you had set it up for me because you wanted to help me. Um, And so you had set it up for me, but there was just so much going on in my life. I just couldn't, I I couldn't be in those sessions. It was so uncomfortable. Um, And also I think then going from that then into having the kids straight away and my hyper aroused nervous system was Mm -hmm. just, it was just too overpowering. So I didn't, I know I didn't do it that long anyway. So like you said, I think that that's, you know, you'll know when it's right. You'll know when you're meant to try it. And the way that we always work with regards to therapists or any type of um, healing modalities or life itself is, you know, following the breadcrumbs. And so if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, that sounds really interesting. And then you might have someone else say it to you from a random source and you might see a bloody billboard that says somatic therapy, healing. And you're like, okay, I get it. You know, a lot of the time that was, that was what it was like for me for craniosacral. Like it just was constantly coming up in my field. And I was like, okay, okay, I get it. I'll go and find a craniosacral therapist. And then eventually, months later, I found the right one. She found me, kind of. Um, but yeah, I think everyone is so unique in what they need in each yeah. and every... And, um, and that's um, another example. Like, I also went... So you, we we have an interview with your craniosacral therapist. You, you're interviewing your craniosacral therapist. But you, you also organized for me to go see her. And I, I went to see her and obviously I'm sure we'll talk about that in the pre-talk for her, but that didn't work for me. So yeah, it really is about trying something out for sure, but then recognizing, does this feel right for me right now? Because with her, 
it wasn't that I didn't find it beneficial. That just wasn't the right time for me. I had just spent a year working with Satya and mapping my nervous system. And so craniosacral, you were doing something similar in craniosacral. So I was kind of like, well, I've already kind of done a lot of that work. This isn't the right time for me. Yeah, definitely. And so, yeah, ultimately, bottom line, follow your own intuitive knowing or even just try it and kind of see if it fits with you or if it doesn't. So that's that's yeah. a, across the board for whatever it is that we talk about, whatever we share, whatever um, resources. Um, it is very much about each and every individual, um, what it is they need in their healing journey at this point in time. So, yeah, I think that we covered a lot today. Um, yeah, you asked all the questions. Well done. See, and I didn't even need to have a book. <laughs> Tuition. Um, I flow better without questions. Um, but yeah, so that's it. That's perfect. Next, um, obviously, we have Satyan's interview. And yeah, I'm well, just really glad that we get to. We'll have to do a part two because this has been all over an hour. So we'll have to do the interview with Satyan as part two. Thanks, sis. Woohoo! <laughs> Thank you, sis. I will chat to you later. Thanks so much for tuning in today, guys. All the links to the information we discussed in this episode will be in the show notes including timestamps where we change topics. So if you want to come back later and just listen to one section, you can. If you haven't done so already, please join our Facebook group, Let Me Be Free, The Wounded Inner Child, and post either anonymously or not what's going on for you in your world. We'd also be delighted if you would share this podcast or the Facebook group with one person who you think would benefit from the information. Be alone, Mahagaf. Have a beautiful day.